You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Stefan. Stefan, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi. Um, I'm from, from Germany, from Frankfurt, and I'm in the IT business, project management, architecture, and I'm doing some podcasting and so other things. Tell me a little bit about what you do professionally. I develop um, modern unified messaging systems for a legal profession so that uh, data can be exchanged in a very safe and um, yeah, secure way and you can identify who sent you something. So it's always sure that the person who sent you something is the person who pretended to send you something. So it's kind of a little bit like cybersecurity in a way. If you want to call it like that, yeah, you could say so. So what types of things do you deal with um, that would say, like, give a person like me that doesn't know too much about it a better understanding of your job? Um, I work in an IT department for the legal profession, and we have several, like, branches and every branch has a, like it's like an own distinct unit and that unit gets information sent by for example lawyers or other professional like um, people who do like analyze a car and say that's the reason why it crashed and so on they send reports um, and that has to be done on a secure and safe way and we are building the next generation unified messaging system so that we can receive all that stuff um, we have uh, in future we have laws in germany which demand that all that communication is done um, electronically nowadays most of the stuff is done in paper yeah but in the future in the next couple of years everything will be purely digital how do you so feel about that reliable well, if, if, if I do it, it will be safe and reliable. So everything should work out. Yeah, well, this, we're not talking about Stephen or Stefan that's running the whole program. You know, like people tend to do the worst of the worst sometimes. I think with technology using like a unified messaging app now, do you mean like something like how Facebook was kind of at one point or do you see oh, no, no. all connected? It's on, an, it's on an enterprise level. It's in the back end in the data center and distributes for several different clients the, the data. And in there we have workflows which uh, put it into the right person's hand and security. And um, we, we make sure that the data is not changed or altered on the way in our network. Um, and from the outside it's encrypted and with um, hash codes. So everything which is sent up arrives at our data center and from there it goes to the right client and the client will be sure that he gets the information how it was sent out um, from the person who sends it to him. Now, or to that function, we don't address persons. We, we better address functions like someone so there's, who's- there's a giant rely there's a giant reliability on you um, as a person to be able to get this, to make sure your job at least you're able to deliver that message properly, uh, get that information to that person. How much of an occurrence is it when something, does a slip up ever really happen where something doesn't get uh, sent properly or something doesn't get connected to someone in a way that it might be used for get someone's information out there? Well, there was a case in Germany where some anchorman faxed his drug order to a pizza shop and the pizza shop passed it on to the law enforcement um if you do that yeah that can happen but if you address the right legal entity then you are responsible for forwarding it to that legal ent entity we cannot take that responsible of you if you send it to the legal entity a and you were supposed to send it to legal entity z then it's your fault you redirected it wrong you have to address the right people and we are kind of like public sector, so we will not um, do anything strange or we should not do anything strange with it. There's always a human factor. Uh, but 
if you see how the stuff is today in paper, um, I think paper is much easier to transport to 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 make a copy or to um, you just have to put the the case file in a in the wrong closet and then it takes ages to find it or something like that. And uh, with digital data, you can much easier. Um, well, we can take in the concept of emails and we can take in the concept of regular mail, uh, like regular mail. That's a, that's kind of, it seems a little bit like a sketchy grounds on the fact that people are very, very curious and people have this wanting to know what's inside of something, especially on Christmas day. So you take that into account, especially when someone's delivering a bunch of packages and they only don't open it up because it's against the law, but there's been many different UPS FedEx places that say, sorry, we never got your package and they've ended up keeping it for themselves. So when it comes to the mail delivery service system, it's a little bit different with an email, but the problem is is if you're sending confidential information over an email, it is very likely possibility that it could be hacked. Mostly because the average person you're dealing with doesn't have an advanced mm -hmm. technology placement in cybersecurity or any knowledge even on the basis of it. Yes, but we don't, we are not in contact with the average Joe. We are only in contact with professionals and they have access to a not an emailing system. We don't have an emailing system. We have something which is based on a computer security standard. Uh, that's not like an exchange server or um, on a, an email system on a, on a Linux box or something like that. It's a very own specific mailing system, which is only in a regulatory affairs surrounding in a government area Sometimes we are special government networks and it's end-to-end -end encrypted. So like a lawyer sends a letter to, which is regarding a case to a courthouse. On the desk of the lawyer, that letter gets digitally signed, encrypted. The data is transparent over the normal internet, but you cannot read it because it's signed, it's encrypted, it's it's like... For you, it's just a bunch of bits of ones and zeros. And when it arrives at our mail server, you cannot call it a mail server, it's something different. Um, if it arrives at that server, we have the necessary certificates to decrypt it. And we can verify that it hasn't changed on the way that it has been sent by the person who pretends to have sent it. And only when it is in our office, then we encrypt it. And then it goes to the like electronic filing system. And in there, it's also protected and encrypted. And only the people with the right access get access to it. Sometimes there's a department taking care of a certain job. And even in that department, not everybody is allowed to see all the files, all the documents in a file. So that's also secured by the necessary um, standards. I think yeah, okay. I'll, I'll you you can see you you just give some your your colleague your username and password, then he can see everything. Yeah, but that's a human error we cannot prevent. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things people don't understand when it comes to technology, mostly because it's so easy just to open it up and be able to hit your Gmail and then send an email out that's just a bunch, like maybe a one word sentence. Uh, it's getting worse with the newer generations only on the factor of I barely use my email. Uh, it's a lot of people like older age people I try and get in contact with about doing maybe a podcast or something. They're like, send me an email. I'm like, oh, I'm out of the realm of that, bro. I'm on the messenger, Instagram, all these other types of new age apps. So coming from somewhere where a lot of people don't understand that coding, these types of things, everything's kind of made up of code, especially a lot of what well, everything on the internet is made up of code. Where te technically, if you want to get down to it, we could be made up of code, a genetic code. But it's, it's all ones and zeros. This is a problem for an average person who does not understand what those ones and zeros mean. And the way you were just explaining it, how it's encrypted and it's a bunch of ones and zeros that the regular person wouldn't be able to decipher. And that's where your job comes in to kind of be in an encryption site, really trying to decipher out, you know, putting all the things in the right spots to get the message out and then get it to the correct person. 
Now, on that basis, how much math did you have to extensively go into? Because that seems like something where you would need calculus, you would need trigonometry, you would need to know a lot about ones and zeros. I studied all that last century when I was in the university, but nowadays I'm um, a project manager and architect and I, I base all the stuff which my programmers do on standards which are set and defined um, by law, which we have to use and which is checked by WizKids, which have um, all the knowledge to, to check if that um, encryption standard is strong enough. We have a, um, it's called BSE, it's, the, it's in, in Germany, an um, official government organization which supervises and monitors all the encryption standards. And when they think one encryption standard is no longer safe, then the governments and all the related organizations get told this standard is from next 1st of October. You can no longer use that. You have to use a more modern and newer standard. So we are constantly monitoring everything and we get the, the information which standards we have to use. And then, like, if you want to send something to a governmental organization and you, you try to use the old standard, the standard which worked last month but no longer works this month, then that organization doesn't accept your your submission, your, your message. It's not an email. I have your opinion on... I say that again. It's not an email. It's similar to email, but it's not an email. Well, when your opinion when it comes to seeing something like the government secrets getting like out there, like information that they wanted to keep private and secret, when you see something like that, do you, what, what do you think? You must probably think like, wow, you fucked up because it's usually they did not update correctly. Like, like you were just saying about updating and doing these types of things, like you can't use this program after this certain day. You have restrictions, especially when you're working with confidential information that you really don't want the public to know it's something you need to strictly like you can't be like save for later you know when that update pops up on your computer that's something like no you need to do it now because someone has the technology we're finding out that they can break into our firewall and get past all our secret barriers yeah. that's that's why you work for in a government which is a very regulated environment and the the average joe the standard user cannot update his computer his computer gets let's call it forcefully updated. His server systems get updated. He cannot prevent the update. He cannot stop that. This happens in a normal environment. Yeah, you might have a computer. The guy is like six weeks on holiday, comes back, switches it on and still when has a machine which is not yet updated, but even that changes because all, all our machines are nowadays with wake up on LAN. So I assume that um, the administrative department uh, just sends out an, an information to all computers on the network, wake up, then they get their update and then they send them sleep again. Um, we have in one organization I worked, they have um, they remote control all their computers. So if somebody is not working, is leaving the office like at six o'clock uh, and didn't switch off his computer because he might want to do something which is not allowed, doesn't help him the thing will be switched off like at seven o'clock or something like that. So nobody can has a chance to hack into it if he's not next to his computer. Yeah, and, and we have uh, own networks, like I assume the US has that as well. There's a own governmental network, um, which is only open for governmental organizations where only we have a connection to, where we only have firewall openings. And it's called private servers. Uh, no, no, it's a complete own network. It's like the internet, but it's just a private governmental network where only governmental um, computers are attached. Yeah, well, I'm not talking about the private servers like me and you are on mm. right now. I'm talking about, it's, it's, that's what another name for private network is. It's, it's private server. Ah, sorry, I understood private server. Sorry. Yeah, well, see, that's that's what's interesting is that you take you take the literal aspect when it comes to the technology where I would just chalk up, I sent you a text 
That could text mm -hmm. could mean not just a phone text. That text could mean a messenger text, an Instagram text, so a text anywhere that I sent you a bunch of words. This mm. is where I see the populations being a little unaffected. I'm educating myself here as well yeah. on your understanding and explaining this to me because everything I'm asking is everything I kind of want to know. So this is going to go into the little fantasy side of me here. I want to ask you about what do you think about the government monitoring your phones nowadays or certain advertisement companies? Because it's really strange. I've been finding out when I'm having conversations with people with my phone in my pocket that I'll randomly click on my phone, not having searched up this thing on any bit of the basis, not followed any pages that would enlighten me on this. And there's an advertisement for that exact thing I was talking about. This has been exposed in the U.S. as being a, like, projected advertisement a literally one where they focused on something you were interested in now do you believe that they're listening into us when we're talking like even when we're not using our phones um i can say that i don't know it to be honest um so what's I, your thought um i did actually i did my uh, phd dissertation on a on a similar topic um depending on your movements, the past movements and the future movements, it's possible to know your geolocation. There are, uh, there are experiments like in, um, I think it was South Korea, where they had um, volunteers, where they monitored their movements. And after like one third of the, of the way they were moving, they could say to which target they are heading. And it was very, very precise. And like, if you have an Android phone in your pocket, it learns rather quick where's your home, where's your working place, and so on. And um, also Amazon. If I'm looking at Amazon for things, when when my daughter was very small, I bought a lot of books about horses for her because she liked books where her horses were portrayed and so on. And then Amazon started to offering me um, books about horses. I was not interested. It was only because my daughter was interested. So I bought books for her. So that's the reason why Amazon presented me books about horses. Well, that's, or, cool. just, that's just, just today I got a, an advertisement from Amazon, which I didn't understand at all. They offered me some strange sausages. I never had searched for sausages at Amazon, but for some strange reasons, they assumed I'm interested in sausages. So I clicked it away. Because you're yeah. from Ger you're Germany. So yeah, awesome. well, we not only eat sausages, we eat yeah, also it's the same reason. It's, it's the same reason why Americans don't only eat cheeseburgers. We eat other horrible things. Uh -huh. I think the whole factor is there's a there's a thing called purchase history that it goes. That's where they put in an algorithm, especially online, like Google, whatever you want to say. That it doesn't have to be a purchase. It can just be something you searched up that you're going to be. Hey, these are more items like you wanted. <laughs> They're tracking your information when it comes to that. Now, what I'm talking about is the fact that I can go onto my phone, Instagram or something, haven't followed any pages or anything that involved the one idea advertisement they send me. Is that a coincidence or are they listening in to us right now, even though I'm not even on my phone? I Because they used Amazon Alexa in a court case to literally convict somebody. So that makes me wonder about how much are they say, constantly listening in and apparently all the information is getting backdrop sent somewhere around mm -hmm. Christmas Eve. They discovered that aired pods were actually recording conversations while you were on Bluetooth. They were sending all of that somewhere that makes you think twice before you start using AirPods. I think it's the fact that we have a thing known, um, after 9-11 happened, we had an act that was installed to prevent, like it was a major thing for cybersecurity, it was to prevent more terrorism, it's like st stuff slipping through the cracks so it's a less likely chance of an attack happening again. That act has turned into daddy's watchful eye. And daddy's watchful eye tends to monitor a bunch of people's. Now, this is all could be conspiracy, whatever you want to say, but it's not out of the realm of possibility if you look at human nature and the government's actions, not mm -hmm. just yeah. America's governments, not just Australia's governments, not just Germany's government. There's so much shady stuff that people do with the weirdness of technology where it starts off in a heroic aspect, but it turns into something in a villain type of 
uh, the standard who watches the watchman and yes you're you're right we in in east germany we had something which was probably more extreme than that they didn't have mobile phones but they had enough spies like probably maybe i don't know 20 30 50 percent of the population was spying on the other half maybe i don't know um and also in china and in, in other even hundreds or thousands of years ago they there always was something guarding, trying to guard. And um, I think the problem is that the people who are in power want to stay in power. There is nobody who says, so I made everything nice for you. Bye. That's it. Now you can do it by yourself. Never happened. Never will happen, I assume. That the overall idea or the overall goal that we should be looking forward to is putting one messaging system incorporated into society in a way like not Instagram, not Facebook, but putting it all in one place, which is a universal messaging system. Cause I think that would be beneficial in making sure you can keep track with appointments or keep track with messages and make sure you don't lose certain things, but it's a lot of responsibility to place on one idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. It sounds tempting, but the point is everybody should be able to choose. Like um, um, in China, for example, they have totally different messaging systems like WeChat and Weibo and things like that. And um, they can sometimes they can do even more than Facebook and the Messenger and, and things like that. And um, yeah, but they are all under supervision. So, but are they? They're, they're not under supervision. I think they the should time. have. You should be able to have different systems, even self-hosted systems, but interfaces which allow you to exchange information from one side to the other. Um, I I really shocked my friends when I, 2016 in October, I erased WhatsApp. Everybody was going what, how can you do that? How shall I reach you? And so on. I said, yeah, um, take um, SMS, the short message um, service. Um, that's better. I don't want WhatsApp anymore. Uh, the, the main reason was a colleague of mine was talking like 20 minutes into WhatsApp and expect you to listen to it. So I was fed up with that. So I deinstalled the stuff. Uh, nobody could reach me anymore via WhatsApp. I had a really quiet time. But nowadays I'm using, for example, Line, um, which is um, a Japanese or Korean-based messaging system. I'm pretty safe. I have only like three or four people here in, in Germany and Europe which communicate with me via that. Um, I use, still use the short messaging services um, and some people are now uh, reaching me via Twitter direct messages and some via Instagram direct messages. But I'm kind of keeping keeping off that stuff, but it would be nice if I could still be online and decide to whom I want to communicate and like, uh, it's too open. If you have such a, such a messenger, it would be nice if you could really select. Nowadays, you just need the mobile phone number and then you can kind of open a communication except the person blocks you, but tell me how many people block other people. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't understand like, in a world where we're very, very disconnected, we're also very connected through technology. But the one weird part about it is that connection, it's not, it's not that it's not real. It's that it's so different. Like the reason I have a WhatsApp app is because I'm friends with Russians, Bulgarians, and all these other countries people that come over into America and work with me. They don't have Messenger, but they have Facebook. They don't use Messenger. It's mm. really weird to tell by not only how much a messaging app is hooked for a person to communicate, but how different it is as well. Because for me, I could be a constant messenger person on Facebook. Or for my buddy, it could be Instagram using direct messages is the only way you can contact him. It makes it very, very difficult. I mean, all my contacts on the WhatsApp app, and now it seems like nowadays in America, Snapchat is the main source of messaging for kids nowadays. Um, it, it's, it's difficult cause it's, it's, it's a trend, you know, it's, it's constantly moving. It's constantly progressing. Mm. It's constantly something else. You know, first there was yeah. Instagram. Everybody was on Instagram. Now barely anybody's on Instagram anymore. You know, you don't get 
like how at least for my group of friends everyone was on instagram you know each photo got like 90 likes always got that acceptance felt so good and then now photos only get maybe three or four and you mm. change and there's always a new platform coming out like there's always something new try this app out it's crazy to see how something can be so popular and then be nothing in one instance mm. yeah in europe there are some people which let's call them more weird or security focused or against the government some people would say left oriented and they run own systems and server which are decentralized messaging platforms like for example mastodon it's a bit like twitter but you can host your server by yourself or you choose a server for example in Sweden or Norway, if you want to, they have very strict IT security laws. And then you put your identity on there. But all the Mastodon servers, even if they are distributed worldwide, they in Japan, there are tons of Mastodon servers, I heard, um, they, they can connect. So it doesn't matter on which server you are. If you know that person is on that server and you can establish a connection, a link to him, then you can communicate, you can follow his timeline, he can follow your timeline and vice versa, you can exchange things. But it's totally like uncontrolled, unrestricted because of everything's encrypted and so on. Um, but it's not like, well, you barely have heard that like Facebook, Google, Twitter, Instagram or Snapchat or so, went down for more than a day but this is sometimes hosted by a private person in his bedroom a small server which is which is running there and if um the fuse breaks then there's no power for his server and then the whole infrastructure is is, is gone and maybe up in two days or something like yeah that. it was but really weird to see people actually walk, like looking up and walking around and kind of seeing the world again when facebook and all that stuff went down it seemed yeah. like everyone was like holy shit what do we do what 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 do we do right now i don't know what to do with my hands why are they moving like this why are they texting there's nothing i'm not posting anything it was so freaky i had so many people i think everyone i came in concert that day was like is your facebook working is your instagram working i'm like i don't know I don't know because I try and disconnect a little bit. I try and shut my phone off when I go in the grocery store. I just, it was so weird to see so many people like, whoa, this is what the world looks like. I'm like, yeah, just start yeah. from that phone screen a little bit. How involved it's... in technology are you with your life? Like, do you implement it like that? Like, do you bring it into the grocery store and talk on it and all that? No, I have my phone always on me. When I go to bed, the phone sleeps in the kitchen and gets charged, but it's not in the bedroom or something like that. Um, in the office, I have it usually at the bench of the window uh, so that it has some reception, but um, yeah, I don't barely look at it maybe once or three times, four times a day. Um, I get my shopping list via the mobile phone that I know what I have to shop on the way back. Um, and yeah. Well, with, with dealing with technology all day, you probably get sick of it a little bit in a way. No, you get, you know what's going on. And a lot of, a lot of people who are deep into technology are uh, highly against the use of all that technology. They are that's very what secure. That's well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you, you, you probably go home and you probably don't really even open up your laptop sometimes. You probably just try and either read a book or something. I mean, you're, you're, you're involved around zeros and ones all day. Eventually, you start seeing zeros and ones. Like the people that worked on Wall Street with all those numbers and stock, all that stuff that was going on around them, they – there was accounts of them going home and literally seeing that. Like there's a thing you start seeing matrix code. I've been uh, <laughs> like, let's say, you know, my buddy's in a genetic like programming and stuff of this sorts. Um, and he, he says sometimes he can't like when he puts it down and he looks up, he's seeing zeros and ones just randomly like delusions a little bit in a way. That's gotta you be the same be, for you. You have to be able to switch off. And as I'm no longer programming um, since about 10 years or something like that, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm more managing the stuff. I'm taking care of that all the um, requirements are met. I check if they are, I try to find the right person who can tell me if that what we did is legally okay or 
what do we have to change to make it legally okay and stuff like that. And um, I take care of the budget and controlling and writing reports and answering questions of um, like the vice president of the of the organization I'm in and, and stuff like that and um, thinking about how we solve problems and and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I use a lot of technology and I try not to use much. Um, I use the computer much more in the earlier times. Um, and I'm also not watching television. The only things I'm, I'm watching in quotes is either my Amazon Prime or some YouTube channels, but I'm not just browsing. I barely browse. I have some certain subscriptions of people who produce content, which I'm interested in at the moment. I would say at least 30% of that stuff is, is, um, about um, podcasting and microphones and audio interfaces and stuff like that. And the rest of the time, like I walk around in, in towns or visit museums and look at art exhibition, art galleries and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. are gonna see, hear that and they're gonna be like, how is someone that's so involved in a technology like job just not use it in their everyday life that much? And I, I chalk it up to the same example. Uh, my father, like is DJ. So he's constantly around music. He hears it every night. You know, it's probably playing in his head. And when we would take drives, like go camping or something, he would literally just no music, nothing, nothing on the radio, nothing. And I asked him, can we turn on some music? He goes, no. Windows down, just listening to the outside. I'm like, why? He goes, I hear it every single day. You get sick of it. It's good music. I love it. But at the same time, you need to know when when to have it and when to do it. He's like, I get enough of it at work. I have my fill. I don't need it anymore. So I understand that whole aspect. And I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit, you were mentioning something about architecture. Now people are going to, people that hear that are going to be like, wait a minute. He's so involved in technology, but has a fascination with architecture. And no, no, also, sorry, sorry, sorry. the architecture I do in the job is oh. IT architecture. Okay. I'm also interested in looking at, like castles and yeah. churches. And, that's, and that's what I'm saying. Stuff like that. You have a wide variety of that in Germany. Mm. That's one of the places my buddy went down mm. there. And obviously the first question I asked was about a schnitzel because I've never <laughs> had one. But the whole idea was he was talking about the most beautiful things were the buildings where they had character, not like today where they're kind of, at least in my country they're not seen built to last anymore back in the day there were old structures that i rarely see now walking around town that literally make you stop and wonder about how and the process that went through creating that and i wanted to get your thoughts on that because a lot of people i try to explain this to my own age do not understand they're like dude it's just a, it's just a building i'm like but you don't know the history behind the building those bricks that were laid down you don't know who did that that was a person that was, you know, it was built to last. They had tools that were less effective than what we yeah. have today. They had to deal with it a and why did they do it is also one of the things. Uh, uh, that's funny. A friend of mine who was working also as a programmer lived in a house which was built around 1650. So when I met him, the house was already about 380, 300, almost 400 years old not 400, uh, almost 380 years old. Imagine that he lives in a house which is 380 years old. The walls are made by stone and like um, four foot wide. He says he never has to heat the house regardless of if, if it's summer, he doesn't have to cool. If it's winter, he doesn't have to heat. The house has always like 20 degrees Celsius. I don't know how much that is in Fahrenheit, but he has always a nice warm temperature in the house without using a heater or a cooling system. And the house is more than 300 years old. Isn't that amazing? Here are houses which are like 60, 100 years old, maybe even older than that. And they are carved into the stone of a hill. In that area, there were, were a lot of big hills and the people made the best use of it. So they kind of like half of the house is outside and the rest of the house is partly inside the hill. They just carved it out. So they had enough space to build houses there. 
it's it's really amazing or um i went to the uk um to no, to an old church and at that time i was not really into churches and stuff like that but my professor which uh, we went there for um um to visit our partner university in the uk um he was a fan of old castles and churches and so on so he forced us to go in there and there was an old guy that was he was retired he was a pensioner he had he was bored so he said yeah i guide around tourists people who come to see our town to see our church and i tell them everything they want to know and that was like one of the most entertaining one and a half hours i had in a church in my whole life he explained why there is a head carved into a stone at one corner and who was that like 300 years ago and um how the the people in in which rank they were sitting in the church and what why they have high chairs and low chairs and why they have wooden chairs and the others had only like benches and so on and and then he he went around and took a long um wooden stick and said here's a long wooden stick it's about um four or five yards long and he said do you see the hole in the ground of the church and he, yeah what's about that and he said this church is built on on gravel it's it's like small little stones and usually the church would collapse but as the gravel is wet um it forms a stable mass so the church just sits on it so it's flat because of the the water it levels out or something like that so the, the church is sitting there flat on the gravel with the water and we have to check regular by sticking that wooden stick into the hole here in the ground of the church to figure out how much water is in the gravel that's fast and if it's not enough we have to fill water in if we don't do it the church collapses and that was so interesting it was interesting history historic facts but an interesting technology fact it was an interesting sociological fact um it was the whole thing it made it really this was one of the best visits of church to a church i had i think you have to look at the fact that when we talk about things built to last you got to look at back then they had character most of the people that were involved with building these wonderful homes that have lived for 300 mm. 400 years they when we you were talking about the the ac the dude never has to heat his house never has to cool his house it's always like usually the right temperature uh it's it it there was so much science that went behind building that house. They didn't have the technology that we had where there was an AC unit that you can get and it rotates and does all this stuff in your house to cool it down for you. That's where I think people messed up. We lost the true creativity. Things aren't built to last anymore. They're built to be bought. That's all it is. They don't care um, about the time that goes into it. Cause honestly we can make our homes nowadays more energy effective, more cost effective to live in, but they have a separate technology device for that. You know, they can sell you something to cool your house down. They can sell you something to heat your house up. They can, everything's a money aspect nowadays. And back in the day, usually the person that was involved with building this house was a guy that was living in the house. He knew exactly what he wanted. He knew exactly how to create it. He put the knowledge into it. He went to a group of people and asked them what he should be doing, what this should be doing. He hired the right people. He did extensive research onto it. And that was a lot with back in the day because back in the day, your tools, it was a slight possibility. You're sitting inside your mm. stone house and a stone brick's going to fall right on your head. You know, yeah. they got to make sure you do maintenance in those things. Yes, certain things were definitely better thought out in the past but we have a trend here I, i'm living in a stone house which is probably 30 plus years old and it's still okay i have to replace the windows once in a while but they are wooden um and we have a trend here now building with better material with which we built buildings to last a friend of mine lives in a zero energy zero emission house um he also almost has no expen uh, expenses for heating or cooling the house because the house is built based on the area where it's sitting so that like also the the airflow of the wind in that area is calculated into in which direction the house is looking here are houses they don't have any window on the north side 
all the windows are towards the south side. And I think it was Sweden or the Netherlands, I don't know. They even built houses which could turn towards the sun to have even more sun coming into it. But on the back, they were also covered and insulated so that no heat can escape. Here in, in Europe, if you don't go for like apartment buildings, which are just built to make money, if you go for, for people who who have um, stay and, and also the government is now demanding that the houses use low energy, don't create a lot of emission. They, they, they try to do that by forcing them or by incentivizing. They, they give you money if you like, if I change my windows here, I can get maybe 15% um, tax deduction from the government or I get like um, 5,000 euros or something like that um, as a bonus to do that. Yeah, so they country. try to, to help the people. If I buy lower energy using dishwashing machines, I get um, some bonus. Well, a lot of um, like our country nowadays is now doing something where they uh, they focus on if you implement solar uh, panels onto your house, you get a big uh, tax cut. You get a big uh, funding back. Um, they basically pay you to install these things because it's more energy effective i know my state has actually started doing that and i'm seeing a lot more sun panels on people's homes it's about creating a more effective way of kind of making the earth try and last for as long as possible you know we don't take care of it like we used to we don't treat it with as much respect as because we're pretty disconnected when it comes to how far technology has made us comfortable yeah but sometimes you have to um do certain things and i think the government can do much more like public transportation it's probably not much existing outside of the big cities in the united states and we have um here some like trains running even the fast trains between the bigger cities but um even within a big city which has a public transportation system i think the public transportation system, especially the, the schedule, the how often a bus or a train comes is not enough. Sometimes I have to wait like 20 plus minutes to get a connecting bus or something like that. Um, at the one station, it's, it's sometimes faster for me to walk home than to wait 20 minutes for the bus. And if they would Im improve that, a lot, lot of people would no longer use the car they would use the public transport or if they would make the tra public transport tax paid so that's free for everybody, that would have an impact. I think there's a lot of things they can implement. Uh, definitely stuff we need to be focusing on when it comes to better, maybe ways of transportation technology, even better human like medicine, anything. Uh, but we're focused on the wrong stuff, I think so. Uh, the iPhone 20, it's that's possible in our future, at least my future next 10 years. I expect that to happen. Um, you know, there's a new iPhone that basically gets made every single year. And I think it's the whole money aspect that's more consumed mm -hmm. than a lot of the problems that's going on nowadays, which people just chalk up to an inconvenience. Honestly, we shouldn't be working on the new iPhone when there's still my grandma that uses a walker with tennis balls on the bottom of it. There has to be a way more of an effective way for her to be able to do that. But sadly, that's not the need that society needs right now. Society wants a new phone. Society wants the newest game. Society wants the newest trends. Society wants whatever <clears throat> makes their life in that aspect easier. Which you could extend that thinking into jobs. Like, why is a nurse paid so bad? Why do they don't, do not pay kindergartners a, a decent amount of money? Because that's, why not, that's, not, not, that's not as important. about elderly? Well, that's not as important as actors and celebrities compared to most people's minds. I see those people that struggle. My buddy is a emergency a nurse. Uh, uh, he's an emergency nurse. I forgot what the official title is for it. But he's talking about in this year alone or this coming up year in 2019 there's going to be more like there's going to be more people that are are, are going to be needing to get a doctor's degree it's going to be a need soon right now it's already a need but this is going to be like you have to go and get this because this you immediately get a job he talked about how 
they were so understaffed. And by the year 2019, there were going to be at least 60 million something nurses out of work because of all the older generation that's now going and not being nurses anymore. There's he talks about the workload that his workload would it would an average would be six to seven patients a, that a mm. doctor would focus on. It's now being 11 to 12 and they're not being looked at the hospitals. They're not being uh, supplied correctly. They're not being doing all these types of things. So they don't have a lot of stuff. So basically it's like, I hope this patient doesn't die while I'm on shift. Yeah, That's all that's it is. Thing. When my, my father was in the elderly home, I was looking for the nurse and I found her in her office crying because she was totally exhausted. I don't know how long her shift is. A friend of mine, um, his girlfriend was a nurse for handicapped people and she had 12-hour shifts. 12-hour, I think six days a week or something like that. The salary was like nothing she's now um, moved out from that uh, care home where she was she moved in with him and um, has now a normal job in an elderly home like eight hours shift and only five days a week sometimes with saturday or sunday but five days a week so um, almost the same pay it's, it's unbelievable i think it's crazy the fact that like my buddy was explaining that he like I was asking him, like, do you guys just sleep at the hospital, right? Because you guys do crazy back-to-back shifts. He goes, yeah, some shifts will go 48 hours, you know. He said, what's the craziest thing is sometimes there's not even a limit on what your shift is. Sometimes you can't go until all your patients are doing okay. And sadly, that's become the the requirement now, that the fact that all patients have to be doing okay before you leave. So it's more easy for a doctor to chalk up that problem to the next guy with the amount of stress that he is under. He mm, loses yes. the aspect of what a doctor is supposed to do and help the individual patient because they have such uh, a heavy workload. I'm, I'm very sure that this is illegal here and I assume it will also be illegal in the U.S. It's worth like 48 plus hours. It's, it's illegal, but it still happens. I ta- I know so many nurses and so many people in the, in the medicine industry that work these crazy hours where I'm like, you don't sleep. They're like, uh, uh-uh. like I, they, they, it, it just doesn't happen. They try and get it while they're there. Take a 15 minute break. They lay on one of the beds in there. Next, you know, get back up, get right back to your patient. He's in critical condition. The factor is they are completely understaffed. There's so many things going wrong, but we're more worried about what we're going to order on Amazon or the new app that's coming out, the new trend. That's what gets me because you hear stories from those types of people that are experiencing what that is like. And then him being like, I'm like, what's on your mind right now? He's like, I'm reading an article on a nursing thing that's coming out, a new thing we're going to have to implement. And did you know that there's going to be, and he's hitting me with facts that I'm like, makes me look at the medical industry in a different way. I never really gave a crap about the medical industry, only on the fact that I didn't, I didn't really ever need medical insurance for anything. Yeah. I had broken arms and stuff, but in my house, it was more like, yeah, you know, if something happened, you got to, you got to deal with it. But so that, I, it was it was good to be a little bit humbled by the people that are out there trying to help people that do get in a tragic situation. Because the factor is, you get in a car accident, you get severely hurt. You want someone being able to help you effectively. But patients and doctors don't have a really good relationship anymore. They don't really read the charts anymore. There's a lot about overdosing on medication that someone might be allergic to, only on the factor of they're not taking the individual time to understand the patient's history, which now starts to rely more on the nurse. That's a little bit of a problem, but man, it's it, it, it's interesting to get your kind of side of things when it comes to technology because for me, math was always a struggle. I never understood it. it took me a while to even get the basics down. You know, I don't think I'm ever going to want to know when train A is going to hit the station at 42 yards and whatever that giant <laughs> math problem I always got. But it's cool to know that at least in like with calculus, trigonometry, all these things you did take, it does benefit you in a career, which makes me understand the whole concept. Now I can't go around saying, when am I ever going to use calculus? Well, if I get a job that involves that, then yes, there would be something like that. Yeah, but you probably wouldn't have ever used what you learned at least here in the university because the the mathematics is just the like the, the tool and the most people don't even know the mathematics behind an encryption algorithm, encoding, decoding and stuff like that. Um the most people just use a library which was put together by 
by somebody else or which they bought or so, or we usually um, kind of hire someone to do a certain thing for us, well, fulfilling we never, certain standards. We never build our own foundation anymore. We just choose to pick the template, the one that's already structured mm. for us. I'm at fault of doing that too. <laughs> All my college papers came off a template. So, but I mean, I filled out the information, so I felt like I was doing the work. Mm. But still, technically, I didn't even put in the proper thing of starting off on a blank page, setting it up for the indent, setting up for the double line, setting up for all. I didn't do that. So it makes you really take in the whole aspect of creativity and building something, all the work that goes into it, whether it's technology or whether it's just an old building. Or is it something like has to do with, with art or with social sciences or something like that? I think... One of the things I learned when I did my um, doctor degree was you have to focus, you have to concentrate, you have to analyze stuff and you have to decide it's something which is immediately out because it doesn't fit what you are looking for or it's something it fits perfectly, you have to read more about it or it's something you have to go more deeper into detail to figure out if it's on the one pile or the other pile and Usually um, you can find a paper which is really, really bad, but it has some really good quotes. And from these quotes, you find more papers which you can then analyze and put on. I think my my first academic degree I did, I, I read probably 10,000 academic papers and distilled it together um, for my um, dissertation or thesis. And uh, the master degree I, I did that, I have probably like 400 references in the in the material but that's like 5 to at maximum 10% of the material I really read to get that far and, and don't get me started on how many years I needed to to finish my doctor degree by by working full time by the way the master and the doctor at full time well, shout out to your perseverance for keeping that education going. I do want to like let people know, like wrapping it up here a little bit, that the fact is if you look hard enough for good information, you look hard enough for something, you can pull something wonderful out of anything. Uh, and I, I want to give you here a minute at the end, Stefan, just to be able to shout out your own podcast and promote something that you want to promote. Um, I don't have an English language podcast right now and i don't think the people are not so interested in a german podcast they're gonna have to google translate it that's the problem that's what we need to do (laughs) we're gonna have to google translate it to listen to you so it's fine thank you it was nice talking to you it was interesting and yeah maybe we talk again one day for sure i appreciate it man and thanks for listening to this episode out of the blank podcast